Like the twin sons on a womp rat's tail, welcome back to the Tumbling Saber podcast, folks. I'm Kyle. I'm Murray. I'm Nathan. Welcome back once again, everybody. Glad to have you with us. Uh, again, another great week in Star Wars. Full of Mando goodness and, and Alan Moore. And from a certain point of view, <laughs> man, Ooh. it's been another barn burner of a week. Wow, we got a lot to talk about th- today. It's funny. It's so weird how this kind of lines up because the new segment is about books. There was really no Star Wars news throughout the week except for a couple little items related to Star Wars printing. And so I'm glad to have you both on board so we can talk about that. And then we'll talk about uh, a couple issues in the Star Wars comic run and then jump over to episode five of season two, chapter 13, The Jedi. We'll get into that at the end of the show. But uh, first of all, Marie, welcome back. How you doing? What's going on? How's your Star Wars world been? I am fantastic. I have been hovering over Black Friday deals for Star Wars Legos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't pulled the trigger on anything, but um, what I really want is the General Grievous uh, Starship, and it's not on sale. So, of course, I though the other one that I was considering is getting the Night Buzzard because it's on like a $15 off sale. So I was like, that's pretty good. Um, But then I have made the decision to buy the Mos Eisley Cantina set. Nice. And I figure I don't need the Night Buzzard. That $55 can go towards the Mos Eisley Cantina set. And the funny thing is, though, I have absolutely nowhere to put the Mos Eisley set. Um, That's future Marie's problem. Exactly. So what I'm going to do is when, and unfortunately it's sold out on lego.com. So I'm going to have to, I, I put in for getting notifications when it's back in stock. But, um... I'm going to have to put it in my closet and wait until years from now when I have a bigger place. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad plan, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that, though, because I really, really dig that set. It's a cool um, little set, for sure. And it come, doesn't it come yeah. with a bunch of figures? 20. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And, like, Momo... Nadon and Kabe and like all of the minor little most likely cantina people. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty sweet. Especially since I love minifigs. They're so yeah, they're so cute. How can you not? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and otherwise you've been on fire again with the blog and, and the YouTube channel. Still yeah. still things going out a million a mile a mile a minute. Pretty much. <laughs> I go on vacation next week and I'm still debating whether I'm going to fully go on vacation or not. So I'll be in Gatlinburg, but maybe I can still churn out some stuff. I don't know. I think I have people telling me you need to just take a break. So <laughs> I. They're I, not I'm wrong. Not sure what I'm I would do. say <laughs> just do what feels right. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Nobody's going to come breathing down your neck. I know. I've, I trust true. me. I feel. I always feel that pressure of I got to put something out. Yeah. If you feel like you need the time, absolutely take the time. Nobody's going to give you grief for it. Good point. 
Good point. Treat yourself. Rest up. Yeah. Yeah. So the <laughs> what comes after will be even better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's I mean there's, there's always new stuff to talk about. You're always going to have the work. The work's always going to be there. So, you know, take that di- downtime when it's there. Yeah. Nathan, how you doing? Oh, not too bad, I suppose. It's uh not too crazy a week. I uh what what did I get? Well, I got my Ahsoka figure. Um uh, nice. Finally. Uh weird circumstance like I've been chasing these this set of figures that have been in stock at a Walmart outside of the city for a couple of weeks. And then I keep checking this the the tracking site every day. All of a sudden one singular Ahsoka figure pops up at the Walmart in my neighborhood. <laughs> so I like, you know, practically flew there. And sure enough, I walk in down the aisle and there she is, just a single Ahsoka figure. None of the troopers, not the Mando, not, not <laughs> just her. <laughs> so I dove at the shelf and grabbed it and went and paid for it right away and uh, so yeah and then a couple days later Kyle tells me that his his figures from Walmart <laughs> shipped <laughs> and I'm like what <laughs> and because you thought they were cancelled right it's the most nonsensical thing like you you told me that the Ahsokas went online for pre-order and yeah I ordered mine after you and I know people other people who ordered mine before me you and those people had their orders canceled. I thought mine were canceled. I should read the email. The, the email simply said it's kind of basically backordered. I, I took that to mean canceled. No, it said out of stock. I took yeah. that to mean canceled. <laughs> but lo and me, behold, yeah. it shows up. Yeah, but me too. And upon further inspection... My two troopers, the the Maldalorian and the and the Ahsoka trooper that I ordered, they were canceled. My Ahsoka's on the way. It should be here tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Walmart. It's like oh. I I don't know what, but anyway, I have my two Ahsokas. So yeah, um, so there was that. And uh, what else? My from a certain point of view showed up. My copy of that. So nice. I'm uh, hopefully going to dig into that this week. And um, what I, I went to my parents. I posted this in the in the Facebook group. But I went to my parents last weekend and uh, got some old Star Wars books um, from way back in the day. I got uh, what is it I have? It's one of the one of the Han Solo trilogy, not the daily one. The uh, who was it? Crispin? No. AC Crispin. Yeah, yeah, Crispin. Yeah. Yeah. One of those. I think it's the first one of those. Um uh New Jedi Order. <laughs> the first uh Vector Prime. Uh Carl's <laughs> favorite book. And um the first two in the uh, Darth Bane trilogy, nice. uh, and the second one is a is a first edition hardcover. And I was going to put that on eBay, but 
the copies on eBay are only going for like 20, 30 bucks. Mm. So I'm just going to hang on to that one. Um, see, I got those and, and this is for, for not, this is not star Wars, but it's for, for Kyle and, and especially Corey, but I got the <laughs> Marvel legends, uh, apocalypse figure. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's a big figure. Oh, that's a big figure. And they've got that Thanos coming out too. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to grab that one. But anyway, that's that was a good just looking a... Thanos too. Holy smokes. Yeah. So, but yeah, as far as Star Wars goes, I think I think that about covers my week. I got nothing this week. No, no new pickups. The only I know what I did pick up. The most precious thing of all, floor space. <laughs> <laughs> I had a visit from my little brother today, who uh, who graciously showed up and picked up his shit. Get. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, true to Corey style. He comes in, he has an idea of what he dropped off here back in the spring. And then over the summer, packages kept arriving at my door with his name on it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and so as I'm like feeding stuff out the front door, giving it to him, he's like, oh, man, this is more than I thought. That's <laughs> what so you get when you abuse the agreement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it it, it, it was fine. I got I don't mind holding on to it, but now I'm this room that I'm in now, the the process has started. I'm it's no longer a bedroom. I have taken out all the bedroom furniture. I have taken it. I've dismantled the bed. It went out with the trash on Friday. I'm I'm starting to turn this place. I'm going to be paint, hopefully maybe painting it this week um, and then find try and find some shelving and get the collection moved into this room along with the podcast setup. So that, that process nice. has actually started in earnest now. I've been talking about it for, I don't know, months, if not more, maybe even a year. And uh, nothing really ever changed except for me just piling more stuff in here. And it looks like uh, a twister had f- flown through. But now it's basically gutted and I get to start patching the walls, painting them. And, and then, you'll need that floor space for when your prized acquisition shows up next year. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I got to find a big fat table space or something to park that thing on. Like, that's that's yeah. that eats up a lot of square footage. <laughs> so, <laughs> I will have to find a way to to display that prominently. But uh, that's that's kind of the big thing for me this week, along with you know chipping away at from a certain point of view. Um, I mostly stalled out on that book this week, as as Tar- uh, Krennic would say, uh, the work is stalled. <laughs> that's. That was I only think I think maybe two stories further into that one, but both were like the Jason Fry story. Come on, Jason, these are supposed to be ten to twelve pages, man. That thing was whoo wouldn't end. That was really long. <laughs> and then the, another one by the only one I really to this point had trouble with. Uh, Seth Dickinson, the Final Order. That was that was mm. another one that for me was like okay, I'm ready for this story to end. <laughs> It's too long now. Can we please move on past this? Um, but we're hopefully we will get an episode together just about from a certain point of view at some point in this December when we're all done and soaked it all in. Because uh, it's it's so far it's been pretty good. It's been interesting. I've really enjoyed it. I have like I think eight more stories left. Oh, you're almost you're right there. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> you sound tired. <laughs> it's it's so. It's such a, I mean, I have it on my Kindle, but 
it's like the progress on this book, the percentage progress is going so slow because every one of these stories is like 20 pages and in the on my Kindle. And I swear the A New Hope version had shorter stories. It does feel that way. It does for sure. I mean, this book is the print format is like it's almost 600 pages. It's crazy. Oh. It's got to be like, what, 20, 30% thicker? <laughs> it's definitely bigger than no, the it's, first it's, one. I, I, I posted a picture in the group a couple weeks yeah. ago. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it looks much like bigger. It, it looks like a Bible. I'm expecting like there would be pages of like begats in there. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Let's, uh, first of all, we got to, before we get into the podcast proper here, let's give a, uh, Rest in peace to the one and only Dave Prowse who passed away over the oh, weekend. Yeah. Ugh, another one leaves. Another one becomes one with the force. Just, I don't even know what, know what to say about Dave Prowse. Like he was just, this is the guy who was inside the suit for, for not going to be, you know, saying anything crazy here on a Star Wars podcast. But for me, the most iconic villain ever to show up on screen. And yeah. this is the guy yeah. in the suit. Yeah. So, I mean, we got a lot of people. It took a lot of people to make the character of Darth Vader come alive. But this guy's right near the top of the list. He was in that suit for so many great scenes and he had such a great physicality. And man, what is this character without him? Who knows? Yeah, that suit's not intimidating on its own, you know. It, yeah, uh, it needs a six foot seven, like two hundred and seventy five pound dude in there to fill it out. And imagine having that, yeah. that someone that big looming over you—it's crazy. Well, it's going to do something to the character when you know the the guy in the suit could literally rip you in half. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, without force powers. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> well, I, I was lucky enough to meet the guy. Uh, at a Star Wars con here in Montreal about 20 years ago, almost to the day, really. And um, he was great. He was terrific with fans. He, w- he was warm. He told some great stories. The guy made a great living from being Darth Vader, even though he stopped officially being part of the Lucasfilm family. He was sort of excommunicated. Uh, but he made a great living from being Darth Vader. For, for a, He made a career of being this guy after not being that guy for, for you know, uh-huh. decades. Which says something about the enduring quality of Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, he was he he was terrific. And I I look up at my Trivial Pursuit board, and now he's gone. Uh, we just lost Peter Mayhew a few months ago, and uh, Kenny Baker, Phil Brown yeah. years ago. The real the reality is it only speeds up from here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. It's you know it's most, thankfully most of these people lived good long lives and had a piece yeah. in this you know mythical story that's going to stand forever but yeah it always kind of stings a little bit when when you wake up in the morning and this, that's the first thing you wake up to is is another one gone somebody well i mean yeah i mean it's true it's true that you say that like they they have a place in this this mythology that will endure but it's it's like how long has prouse been sort of out of the spotlight now like it seems like the past at least five years, like he we haven't really seen much about him. Yeah, he stopped doing public appearances in 2017. 
And yeah. even at that, I think he was probably staying within the UK for appearances. Yeah. Or and it's like I feel like I feel like the awareness of these actors has mm. diminished so much, especially among newer fans or or younger fans. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like when I was growing up, like I I knew who who Prowse was, mm-hmm. and it, it's just like I I wonder now if if newer fans had that same awareness. I think, but I don't. Uh, yeah, I also they care about for I, sure in the newer stuff, but. Yeah. yeah, I also it's also hard to get a get a reading on from me from what I've seen anyway. I I find it hard to get a read on like how involved uh, newer fans and younger fans are with the behind the scenes stuff, and maybe that's that is because we haven't had as much behind the scenes content with well in the past you know eight years as we as we had in the Lucas era. Um, but I wonder, you know, I wonder if there is a sort of a difference in attitude there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. Cause the, it feels like Lucasfilm used to just put out that behind the scenes stuff, whether or not we wanted it. It just, it was yeah. just always there. Like I always remember behind the scenes stuff, just being there. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, we've got to beg for it <laughs> and we don't get it from Disney. And no, not we, at all. Well, yeah. Who know? Who knows what we're gonna get? And as far as you know, knowing who these people are, I guess social media kind of takes the place of those behind the scenes documentaries and and featurettes and things for us getting to know the the people behind the movies, behind the scenes, um, because they have a presence on the internet, which was obviously wasn't the case, you know, fifteen twenty years ago. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, who knows? It's one of those things where time will tell. Yeah, and someone posted a picture on the internet. It's, it's I think, from A New Hope. Like, maybe the press tour for A New Hope. And it's it's got uh, Mark in it and Harrison, Kenny, uh, Peter, Dave. And, like, four of the six are gone. It's just Mark and Harrison left from the picture. And it's like, oh, God. Wow. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's wild. Yep. Anyway, uh, rest in peace, David Prowse. He's just you know, unforgettable. We'll never forget what he brought to Star Wars. Yeah. All right, so into the news of what little news there is this week. Um, like I said, it, it focuses on the books and printed stuff that we like to talk about here. Uh, the first up is the Rise of Skywalker comic adaptation has been canceled. What's up with that? <laughs> I don't know. But I know, I know that both you and Marie are bummed about it. Uh, Marie... How, how bummed are you? I am really, really sad about it because I love getting that little touch of extra content. Like the Rogue One um, adaptation had those extra scenes in it. Um, and I just love reliving it and breaking it down into those like five or six parts and you know how much I love the movie itself, so it 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 it's sad. I, I don't understand either. Like you could say maybe it's because there was backlash, but what about Last Jedi? They had an adaptation of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess 
is it about the fan the chasm of, of acceptance of you know not again not just rise of skywalker but the sequels as a whole like is it just a sign that you know the powers that be just they're not interested in letting the the fallout and the discourse have more have any more power so let's not let's just starve it of oxygen let's not release this material and try and try and let it fade I, I don't know if that's even fair like jody hauser and the pencilers they all did the work I right assume. and i'm sure i, I hopefully they, i'm i'm sure they got paid for their work it's just never going to see the light of day but yeah I it's don't just know. awful yeah, it is it really is um I'm not terribly bummed because I, I didn't buy the comic. Com, bleh, I did not buy the adaptations for either movie, and not because I have a thing against them. I just didn't feel like I needed them. Um, but Nathan, what about you? Are you, um, as someone who's not really a huge fan of the of the movie, were you looking forward to? <laughs> <laughs> were you looking forward That's to one way to this? put it? I, 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 I just call you know, uh, call it as I see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. I am bummed. I'm not quite as bummed as Marie, and I'm. I'm. I think I'm bummed mainly for different reasons. Like Marie was interested in getting the story and getting expanded scenes and stuff like that. Um, but I know we were talking about this uh, on Facebook, and you know, we're we're both definitely bummed that it's going to feel kind of um, our collections are going to kind of feel incomplete. Yeah, because we have the adaptations for four of the other movies but we won't have one for this one so so that's primarily why i'm bummed um as far as why it happened i don't think it's anything political like you were suggesting kyle i think it's purely covid um mm. you know uh back in the spring when diamond stopped shipping comics uh marvel had a pencils down order for a certain number of projects and a certain number of creators. Um, and I, you know, it's easy to imagine that a movie adaptation would be a lower priority, mm. um, especially, you know, uh, compared to some of Marvel's own projects and especially the, um, you know, the, the, the original stories in their star Wars line. Um, Not, that's a, that's a I, good point. Yeah, and and I know that this came up over the summer, and I think Rick and I had been discussing it at one point. And Jody Hauser said that, as far as you know, at at that time, as far as she knew, it was still happening and whatever, and and there were issues in the can and stuff like that. Um, but maybe you know, and based on past sales, maybe Marvel just didn't think that it was a project worth restarting production on. And just scrapped it all together. Who knows? Um, but it is unfortunate. It's always unfortunate when, um, you know, especially when we don't get to see the work, especially finished work yeah. from exactly. creators. Um, but, you know, at least it didn't start to come out. And then, you know, they didn't, they decided not to finish it. Right. Uh, I think that would have been a worse scenario to have two issues and just have it canceled oh, that for the yeah. other three. <laughs> that would be <laughs> right? the worst. There's nothing more infuriating than that. So I think we, I think we eked out with maybe the best case scenario, given the circumstances. No, I don't, I don't know if this was, was mentioned at all, but it, it 
it's is it possible that the trade paperback still sees the light of day? Like they don't do single issues, but they just at some point later next year, boom, here's just the collected work. Hmm. It's very possible. I would love that. <laughs> I think that would be, and that may be more palatable. Like, I mean, it's, it's still, you know, a little more expensive, but financially for people um, deciding whether to buy it or not, if it's a trade paperback as opposed to five or six individual $4 issues. Yeah, save a couple bucks, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering, what about the the graphic novel? That I saw is up for pre-order. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. The graphic novel adaptation. I saw that on Amazon uh, today, I think it was. Now, how many different versions of the same movie do we need? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because literally there's the adult novelization, the junior novelization, the little golden book. The, um, yes. Yeah, I mean, and the graphic novel and usually the comic book adaptation. So there's at least five typical adaptations. Yeah, I wonder if so, like, I again I don't read them all. I mean all. that's a lot. It but. is a lot. Like is there ever a discrepancy in like you know this contradicts the movie. Why would they do that? Or this added detail is also included in this book but they're not presented the same way. What's real? Like I don't I, that must there drive people nuts. There were discrepancies in the little golden book and it drove me crazy. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I've got a couple of kid books as well. And it might even be the golden books where I'm like, nope, that's not right. <laughs> that's completely <laughs> wrong. And I I want to throw the thing out the window. Honestly, those graphic novel adaptations is the art that is the reason. I yeah, they're they skip a lot. Yeah, but like I, I know that Phantom Menace one is <laughs> it's just gorgeous. All right. But, uh, yeah, Maria, I just I just put in the chat the link to the amzad.ca uh, page for that. Sweet. But uh, you might be able to get the .com version. Thank you. So moving on from that, hopefully, hopefully we get to see some of Jody House's work. She's really she's a really good writer. Yeah. And I think it was Phil Noto artwork, at least for the covers, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, hopefully we get so. to see that. Uh, so next is the Afra audio drama coming to print. So we've got a repurposing of repurposed content. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Which is, I don't know. Is, I don't know. We've been grappling with the, the Afra question for a while now. So like, again, this kind of comes up every time something with Afra comes to the, the news cycle. What is the end game for this character? Like, is it to, to take this, you know, first comic book art, beef it up into an audio drama, and then take that audio drama and repackage it as a novel. Is this just a cash grab, Nathan? Or is this sort of still building a foundation and a groundswell for, for a bigger platform for the character? 
No, I, I think this is giving us what we ask for. <laughs> nah. You know, you know, we because we asked for this for the for the Dooku book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and frankly, it would be infuriating if they didn't do this with with their second audio I drama. <laughs> I think I think they knew that we wanted this. Uh, and I feel like we knew that they knew. So we didn't even bother asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just print it. Just give it to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. we know they're going to do it. They knew that we knew that they were going to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think I don't know. I, I, at the end of last year, <laughs> I may have thought and may have agreed with you that there might have been some bigger in game with all this Afro material. Now I'm just wondering if it's um, I don't know if it's just an easier output of content. Uh, I don't I don't know I don't know if there's an end game. I feel like we would have heard something by now if because they would have had they've had plenty of opportunities to announce like a TV show or a, a movie or whatever whatever it might be an animated series whatever. I feel like they've had plenty of opportunities to announce that alongside of things like this, this book release or with mm-hmm. the audio drama release or, and maybe, maybe the day that they release the, the, uh, the script, the script book, maybe that's the day they announce it. Maybe they're waiting for, to see how bad batch does or for that to get closer. I, I, who knows? But I, I just feel like we would have heard something by now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't know. Maria, what's what's your feeling on all this? Where are we going with Afra? Is, is she just strictly going to be a print character that that's all we get of her? Or is this going to continue into something bigger for the character eventually? I mean, obviously, I hope that, that something comes of it, that she ends up... Um... Having, I mean, obviously I'd love her own show, um, but I feel like Star Wars is a bit saturated with TV shows right now. <laughs> um, I mean, you've got Mando, Bad Batch, Obi-Wan, Cassie, and Andor. That's four TV shows. That's a lot. Leslie Headland. Oh, yeah. That was five. So, I... And then, like, the the Leslie Headland one, how it says it has to do with, like, martial arts or whatever. And there were people saying that could be Dr. Afra, And I'm like, what? When has Dr. <laughs> Afra ever done martial arts? <laughs> I thought that was so strange. <laughs> um, so I don't think that's a Dr. Afra show. Um, so I, I feel like maybe can continue her, her comic series... And just see what happens, I guess. Because right now there's just too much. There's too much going on. I'm not complaining. I'm just stating a fact. Um, so, and, and about the audiobook being printed, like, yes, I wanted that to happen. Number one, so that I can highlight things and <laughs> keep track of stuff better. Um but uh, and and of course I own the the uh Dooku Jedi Lost um book as well. 
So I, I will buy the book of the Afro audio book. You'll buy an Afro book? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> so, and then <clears throat> I thought it was interesting in the article. They mentioned that there's going to be stuff in it that now I don't know if they're okay. Let me finish my statement. They said there's going to be stuff in it that was not in the audio drama. And I don't know if they're only referring to the drama this persona or if they're referring to other new content. Um, but the fact that they put the drama this persona in the article, I was like, that's a little like, why would you do that? But it was funny to read. It was. I like mm. that they, the dramatis personae is written from Afra's POV. Yes. <laughs> who she thinks yes. is a jerk and who she likes. Oh, it's hilarious. I love how she, she says Han is actually useless. <laughs> <laughs> of course she would. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we'll wait for that. That comes out sometime next year. Um, interesting character. I I keep waiting to see. I, I I'm gonna die on the hill of they should do a Afro video game. I will not stop banging that drum. They should do it. It would be great. That would be really cool. Yeah, it'd be so so fun. I yeah. I wonder if if a video game might uh, conflict because a video game takes so long to make. Uh, I wonder if they were worried that that might conflict if they ever wanted to use her in a TV show or a movie or something. I wonder if that might be uh, a reason why they wouldn't want to, you know, kind of hang her up on that. Well, yeah, yeah. If you if they have, yeah, let's do the Afro game. Okay, that means we can't do any Afro stories beyond this point for like three years. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's where it gets tricky. Yeah, then you yeah you jack up the character for for a long time. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you think about it like, I mean, we haven't gotten into um, Mandalorian discussion yet. So spoilers here, <laughs> if you've been holding out, you know, uh, but I heard some speculation that maybe it could be Cal is the Jedi that will will find the child. Oh, and yeah, that's true. It's, it's like, I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. And it's technically possible, but also they're working on a sequel to that game. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> that could get a little messy for the exact same reason why I wonder if they would make an Afro game because yeah, you Ju know, that's it, yeah. Juggling chainsaws. Yeah. It's, it's the timeline in Canon works theoretically, but it's just the the development timeline. I don't know if that matches up as well. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's jump into the Star Wars main title from Charles Soule as we wait for his High Republic series, his novel to drop in early January. We, he's still doing a comic book and, and doing a pretty good job with it, if I might add. So Yes. Uh, we're still here. We are in issues seven and eight of Star Wars, looking at that time between Empire and Return of the Jedi, where the Empire is searching the galaxy uh, for the remnants of the scattered rebel fleet. And Luke is still uh, coming to grips with what happened on Bespin. And so issue seven takes us a little deeper into the backstory of 
uh, Commander Zara, who badly wants to capture and kill Leia for her role in destroying Death Star 1. And much of the issue, or basically the entirety of the issue, is a flashback to some time prior in Zara's life where she was this great cadet. Uh, she caught Tarkin's attention, and then he helped uh, shape her into into the officer that she became in the present time. Uh, so he sends, he sends her out on a mission uh, to bring him the head of a criminal leader who's kind of been a thorn in the Empire side for a while, and we'll get to him in a sec. Uh, but Zara ultimately fails her mission. She thought she was successful, but decoys, yada, yada, yada. When Tarkin says something specific, like bring me his head, that's what he meant. And she didn't do that. <laughs> so she got herself into some trouble. And uh, where it gets interesting and where the personal vendetta that she has with Leia comes into play is that Zara gets demoted, um, decides to sort of... Not, not rebel, but she's like, I'm going to fix this. I, I can't, she can't t stand the idea of, of Tarkin thinking less of her. So she steals a shuttle and she goes, she heads off to go right her wrong so she can get back into Tarkin's good books. Um, and then just as she's pulling away from the Death Star aboard a shuttle, it explodes. So that gives us a very good reference for where we are exactly on the timeline. This was during the Battle of Yavin. So that's the issue, bringing out this backstory. And so at the end of it, Zara's fleet's engaged with the Rebellion's 7th Division. And so the whole, Zara wanted to go after the 4th because that was Leia's group, but it made more sense to hit the 7th. Um, and then, of course, at the end, everybody's in the pool. It's a big battle. And um, that's kind of where the the issue ends is, is now Leia is within Zara's grasp because they came to help. That's where the issue ends, but Soul loaded a bunch of little things, as he always does into this issue. I think he's the best at it. Just sprinkling little characters or mentions. There's a whole list. Uh, but mm -hmm. what did you guys, Nathan, what did you think of this issue overall? Oh, it was great. I think I think Soul really has a um, talent for writing villains. I think that's where he shines. Um, I mean, we get Oh, we get Tarkin. Oh, oh <laughs> never enough Tarkin. Um, and I will say, like, it's really cool to return to this planet and see it for the first time. Um, you know, this planet that we spent a lot of time on in uh, in the Tarkin novel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and one of the things I like about Tarkin's characterization um, is that he's proud of where he comes from. He's proud to be from Iriadu. And like you contrast that with someone like Krennic, who's always trying to hide uh, the fact that he came from a, a sort of lower lower caste. Right. And you know, he always has to live with the fact that he he can't get rid of his accent and he people will, will always know uh, where he came from because of the way he speaks and stuff like that. It's just these little character things, but I, but then Tarkin is proud. You know, he's from the aristocracy, but he's from it's the aristocracy of a backwater world, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the outer rim. But nevertheless, he's proud of where he comes from because of what he had to claw his way through 
to get to where he is. It's, I don't know. It's, it's really a really interesting aspect of Tarkin's character. Uh, and I think, I don't know. I don't know that this comic, this issue really got into that, but the very fact of returning to Iriadu just kind of set that emotion thinking in my mind about that aspect of Tarkin's personality and his character. But besides that, yeah, um, this obsession that Zara has with uh, tracking Leia down, uh, the entire, you know, both hunts that are in the issue, I thought were really compelling. Uh, the carrying spike. I always love it when the carrying spike shows up. Um, I mean, it's all great. And the way it ties into A New Hope, it's a, it's a great issue. I really enjoyed this one. Marie, what did you think of issue seven? Um, I loved the Rogue One connections, of course. Oh. Mm-hmm. At, um, le- at least two, I- right? Yeah, so there was when one of the officers under Zara was talking about, was like whispering with the this other officer and saying, hey, I I think uh, Leia has something to do with Galen Urso. And I'm just like, and Ding. Urso is mentioned. <laughs> and get all excited. And then when it showed the flashback with Krennic, um, so that was great. And then... There was the connection to a crook from the Poe Dameron long run comic series. Um, even mentioning Grail City, which is where mm. they uh, defended um, mm-hmm. a crook. So that was was super cool, too. That, there's Charles Sewell referencing his own work again. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> and, well, I think the... Maybe the most, well, I don't want to say irrelevant, but an interesting connection again, which should strike us as no surprise, but he did slip in another High Republic reference. The Nile, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. um, this guy called Burnium Rowe, who is just this, the crime crime boss that Tarkin sent Zara out to kill and bring bring me his head. Uh, Tarkin said that he uses rhetoric and imagery associated to the Nile, who were just this uh, agents of chaos, I think is exactly how uh, how Tarkin described them. And so a month ago, we were talking about the villains of the High Republic, and there's a guy named March- Marchion Rowe. And so here's, here's Burnium Rowe, and a couple hundred years later, here's Marchion Rowe. And so I'm wondering, I, I'm just looking at this going, is Rowe more of a title than a last name? Mm. which at this point means nothing, but I won't be surprised (laughs) when we start, you know, in a month and change from now, when we start reading through light of the Jedi that yeah, this, this March on row guy, like, like much like Ren, it's, it's more of a title than a name. That would be interesting. And it's the same guy Mm. writing it all. So he would know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we know that, that Bernie Amro is, I mean, yes, he's like a crime boss, but he's high enough up to have body doubles. So he's got to have some kind of clout. Yeah. You you wonder if he's been, or if, if that clan has been wiped out or do they have any vestige left of, of the Nile in them? 
or have the, has has that been completely eradicated? I, I'm, I really wonder, and that's kind of interesting. If if that uh, if that remnant remnant from the High Republic stories is still kind of kicking around. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen that even when these factions are destroyed, years later, um, these sort of copycat organizations can can come up and take on their ideology and their identity and and sort of continue their work. No one's ever really you know. gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did anybody else, maybe it's just me, but in that interrogation scene, did anybody else wonder if that was callous? <laughs> oh, the, the bearded guy in the torture chair? Yeah. I, they made a point, like, yeah, there was a couple of panels there. I was like, wait a sec, like, you're making a point of showing us these two panels. I don't know what the point of them is. The, the first one had Krennic being bullied by by Tarkin. Mm-hmm. And the second one, yeah, has this guy who... Yeah, who is this guy? I thought maybe for a second it was Maydeen, but... Well, it, yeah, no it's, 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 it's sandwiched... That panel is sandwiched between two other panels of Zara and Tarkin in a room with other characters that we know. You know, like huh. Vader's in, in one, Krennic's in the other. So... Are we supposed to know who that character in the middle is? And I got the impression I should, but Krennic, I uh, uh, callous. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely got the impression that I should know who that is, but I have no clue. And I was hoping that either of you would say, "No, that's Buddy Boy from X comic." Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I immediately jumped to callous podcast. I mean, ruined. this is. <laughs> I mean, the th- thing is, uh, I don't know if the timeline works out. I mean, it depends. Although, hmm. Well, he would have been long gone with been, Zeb. Well, yeah, but we don't know how long that lasted. Yes, yeah, but this has the this is before a new hope. So, I mean, we d- we're still we're looking at a limited window here. You know, it's between the end of Rebels and a new hope, mm. which is a limited amount of time. So, that's true. But I, I just hmm. don't know why that panel is is there between those other two panels if we're not supposed to know who that, that is. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> um, all right. Then jumping ahead to issue eight. Again, it starts in a bit of a flashback, but a not very distant one. It's, it's right after Bespin. And it's it's Vader with the Emperor. And there's this great line where or reference that the emperor says Tarkin or Thrawn would be great to hunt down these scattered rebels, but he has obviously both are not available. Uh, and Vader says, Oh, I know who can get the job done. And that brings us back to Zara, who is now kind of marooned on Kessel. She like, she got that demotion from Tarkin. He died. And she just, she's just sort of lingering out in, yeah. in this wasteland because he, yeah, he was disappointed in her. And his last sort of command for her was put her there, non-essential duty. And she just kind of left there to twist in the wind for a while. Um, So Vader was aware of her and suggested to Palpatine that, hey, this this uh, this officer knew Tarkin, knew his tactics and strategies, knew how he thought maybe she can get the job done. And so he says uh, when he when he Vader goes to see her. He's like, this is either your greatest opportunity or the worst moment of your life. Mm. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Uh, and then it, it jumps forward to the present. 
Zara is leading the boarding party to capture Leia. And um, it's there's really not a ton in the issue. It's really a very action-heavy issue, so not a lot of story development happening. But you finally get to that confrontation between Leia and Zara. And Zara doesn't like Leia at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really at all. Um, nope. They are... We learned that they're kind of very similar in a lot of respect. They're like, they're both orphans. So they're, it's almost like that mirror image to each other kind of thing. But obviously they're, they fall on different sides of the war. But it's like Zara's, her motivations seem genuine. Like she doesn't, she sees the rebels as terrorists and she lost her family to what she called rebel terrorists. And she joined the Academy to make sure that no little girls ever lose their families like that again. I thought it was like very uh, compelling wording from Soul. Like it almost it, it very much humanizes Zara that she's legit and um, traumatized by what the rebels did to her. I wonder if it was your boy Saw who did that to her, Nathan. I don't know. Uh, to me, uh, the way I read it was: listen, you might as well not play by the rules because. Even if you try to play nice, they're going to call you a terrorist anyway. So you might as well hit them hard like Saw would. <laughs> <laughs> so, this I, we're, I feel like we're mid-arc with this one. I don't know where it's going. Um, but she, like, Zara definitely feels like she has robbed Leia of her hope, which is silly. You can't do that to Leia. <laughs> I, um, in my review... Um, of this issue, I said, um, so Zara believes, oh, sorry, hold on. Um, her goal is not to kill the princess, not yet, but is instead to weaken her and take her hope. Well, Zara believes she does justice, as she states, she's not a fighter, she's a symbol. She helps the rebels believe they can defeat any enemy. In order to do it, she has to believe it too, but I took that away. And then I said, hmm, I'm not so sure about that. Leia does say that she sensed hate from Zara, but that doesn't translate to Leia's hope being taken away. I mean, Leia is made mostly of hope. Yeah. <laughs> like, you silly Zara, you that you didn't rob Leia of her hope. Yeah, you beat yeah. her up a little bit. You maybe you spooked her. <laughs> but no, I don't think Leia's overly. She, she's obviously worried that this Zara person is. obviously full of hate and and quite violent and quite capable but Leia's been through worse like she just watched her planet get destroyed a couple years prior there's not much you can do to this character that will rob her of that Leia's an 80% dark chocolate bar and the cocoa was hope (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um and it Another, a weird, um, so at, from what I understood at the very end of the issue, when it talks about the next issue, that this is just a two issue arc. Really? Yeah. So we're done? Yeah. Huh. I wonder if this is going to be an interest because it says to be continued, but I wonder yeah. if it'll be, uh. Oh, yeah, because if you go to the next issue, new arc starts here, Operation Starlight. Yeah. I wonder if this arc got interrupted because they wanted to get the uh, Operation Starlight issues. 
for sure in December. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe he had to rework the story a little, but I wonder if, or maybe these, this story with Zara is going to be sort of like uh, interstitials to break up the arcs. Mm. But yeah, I definitely yeah. think that they want to get that operation starlight arc started before high Republic if, starts next next almost next month <laughs> yeah. yeah and if you if you look at the subtitles predators prey so that kind of is a duology duology sort of using mm-hmm. those as the the subtitles subtitles of the two issues because mm-hmm. they go together but i don't know what you would add to that subtitle wise Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I would buy a Zara action figure if she's in that armor. Oh, that's yeah. a, that was, that that was, was a cool pretty, look. That was pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. She so yeah. for for GI Joe fans, like she is what the Baroness would look like if she was in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. Would, that would that would make a. It's yeah. It's it's sort of Baroness meets Inquisitor. Yeah, I mean, very Japanese inspired. Yeah. It's those those guards on her on her legs and stuff. <laughs> Obviously, the helmet. You just you just piqued Dave's interest again. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that a lot this week. Uh, but yeah, I like I like that she has like almost Vader esque eye goggles. You know. Yeah. Like they're the red, very dark. I like that. Oh, she's so cool. Yeah, she's she's, <laughs> she's a pretty cool character, and she she's like that classic Star Wars character who kind of just shows up out of nowhere because you need somebody to fill that role. Yeah, she's like she does fill that Inquisitor type role, mm-hmm. where it's like where these guys come from. But you can't have Emperor and Vader chasing around the rebels all week. They it makes them look stupid. So, right yeah. in comes these inqui- seven or nine Inquisitors who will just try to terrorize people for a while so that's kind of what she is but she's still a, a cool character yeah but, absolutely but soul always does the work you know like he didn't just throw her in and say you have to be impressed by this this character <laughs> you know he he put the work in to explain to us why she was impressive yeah right so which i think makes all the difference Oh yeah, it's yeah. She's it's, she's her introduction feels organic, and she feels like she's been part of this machine the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about this for a while. Like we're eight issues deep on this second volume of Star Wars. It's mostly been the Empire chasing the rebels around. Like how long does this go on for? So you know, when you look at the uh, the first volume that started late in 2014, there was the three years between uh, A New Hope and Empire to play with. And that whole thing went 75 issues, wrapped up right in time for Empire's 40th, which is not a coincidence. Uh, Then they relaunched the the title at the beginning of this year or late last year. I don't know where this this particular title is going. (laughs) Obviously, they don't have the time. Uh, Right. You know, Empire to Jedi is one year. And... Return of the Jedi's 40th, if they were thinking about that, is is still two and a half years away. So we're not going to get 75 issues out of this second run. Mm-mm. And we're, we still have to do some work to uh, you know, with, with Luke for his, yeah. his training and get the green saber. Mm-hmm. There, there's not much left 
to do here. Like, there's only so much you can do with the Empire chasing the rebels around. We got to dive into Luke a little bit. And then they kind of kick off the plan to go save Han from Jabba. And right. I, I, I have to wonder if Marvel is going to wrap up this run sooner than we thought. And with, with High Republic coming, and obviously uh, a Mando title coming next year, I wonder if this main Star Wars title is going to get shelved for a bit until closer to Return of the Jedi. Because eventually they're going to have to step beyond Return of the Jedi. Or pick up the main title somewhere else, maybe closer to the sequels or after. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm starting to question what they're doing this now, what they're doing with this with this Star Wars main title now. Unless they consider they'll be considering the Mando title the post Jedi title. <laughs> mm. Possible. But I, I Which they, is I not think, necessarily what I want, but I think Yeah. Uh, for sure. And but I, I think they're they gotta be wondering how much their customer base can swallow in terms of ongoings. Well, like I was saying about the TV shows. <laughs> yeah. There's a saturation mm. point. And when you really think about it, like there is an expiry to this second volume of the main title. There's yeah. limited material. Right. At a certain point it'll feel forced. And then when when this title ends, how much how many how much courage do they have to explore post return of the Jedi in a comic book when it sounds like mm-hmm. I don't know it, I, I don't know but I I feel like this this run is um it's going to come to an end very very well, not very very soon but I would say before the end of 2021 it's over for this title yeah well the next issue preview um the, the caption says the salvation of the rebel cause lies in the distant past. Lando leads a daring heist on Imperial center Palpatine's throne world. So I, I kind of wonder if, if that's what this next arc is going to be is partly going to be Lando going straight at Palpatine. I wonder if maybe that will be the catalyst for Palpatine's switch in strategy to sort of say, Okay, we need to back off of them so we can lay this trap. You know, we need to allow them to regroup so that they're confident enough to walk into this trap. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. that'll be the what will set the chain of events in motion. Yeah, that's yeah, because Lando's really not had much in this second volume. Mm-hmm. He's tooled around with Chewie a bit on the Falcon, but. Not had a huge contribution otherwise. Cool. So yeah, I'm still enjoying this run. Um, Charles Soule, yeah. man, this guy, is, I don't know how he finds the time to write all this stuff. It's crazy. He's a madman. Man, I, re- I remember when I first started reading him, I think it was the She-Hulk run back in 2014. I think it was the first thing I'd ever read. And back then he was still practicing law on the side. Or rather, uh, like, <laughs> comics was his side gig. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I think my first exposure to him was in Daredevil and Superman Wonder Woman. Mm. He wrote that title as well. 2013, 2014 in that area. Mm-hmm. The guy, he's prolific. He's he's all over. Oh, yeah. And we got him. He's ours. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! And we're never going to let him go. No, God, no. 
All right, so that's it for the comic book chat. Um, now we get to free ourselves up and talk about The Mandalorian. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, before we get into the newest episode, um, Disney Gallery returning for season two. Oh, praise the force. I wasn't sure we'd get this. I'm so thrilled that we are. I, man, It's I, I loved that show. It was almost, it was as, mm-hmm. as appointment viewing for me as as the series was. Every Friday, boom, I'm watching the, uh, the gallery as it comes out. Like I loved yeah. the roundtables they did. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm one of those people that gets almost more excited for the behind the scenes stuff than I do for the actual stories themselves. So I am I'm absolutely thrilled. And I I am very curious to see if we if we learn to a greater extent how covid impacted oh that'd be interesting or or what the show even looks like i i I wonder if it's going to be the same format with them all sitting around a table or are they going to do this like almost like a zoom call yeah true you looking forward to this one marie (laughs) um i so behind the scenes is not really my bag um I always get too worried that I'm going to confuse behind the scenes stuff with all the canon stuff I need to know. <laughs> so I, uh, honestly, I only saw one episode. All right. That's, that's previous. cool. Some so, people don't want to know how the sausage gets made and that is perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah. And honestly, John Favreau could screw you up. <laughs> Boy, he doesn't know quite as much as he thinks he does. No, <laughs> I love him. He is just the most lovable guy. But sometimes he starts going and he's talking with full confidence and you're like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like he's, well, you write the story. You're on this ramp and you got to ride it all the way down. <laughs> yeah. We're going right down the tunnel with him. And go ahead. You write the story. But the details here, I hope someone is keeping you on the rails because John you're a little, you're, you're a little off. You're a little off, sir. Yeah. Uh, and this, it's this is this show for me is going to pair great with um, Phil Shostak's Art of Mandalorian season one book. Oh God, yes. I, I oh man, is is Phil going to do a book, an art of book for every season? One would hope. Oh boy. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I I was really worried we were going to have to wait till May. But I think this makes sense because obviously I think with the last season they could have released earlier, but I think they waited till Clone Wars ended. Because yeah, we got it the the very next Friday, right? Like they went straight from Clone Wars to Gallery. Yeah. And, uh, but I guess also between between now and May, we're also going to have uh, WandaVision. So I suspect when WandaVision f- finishes up. They'll probably be doing a Disney gallery on that one. Probably, yeah. That would make sense. That would be my guess. So I guess that's probably why we're getting it a little earlier than we did last last season. But I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> I'm absolutely not complaining. It's, it, it's what better Christmas gift? Yeah. Gather around, everybody. Put your gifts away. We're going to watch gallery. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> and a True. Star Wars round table. True. 
All right, so now we're going to get into chapter 13 here, The, the Jedi, from Dave Filoni, without question. Uh, this is, Who? <laughs> yeah, that, that guy. Um, for sure, this has got to have been one of the most anticipated episodes of the entire series, including the premiere last October or November, whatever it was. Uh, snips, live action snips, for sure the worst kept secret ever. And uh, we had kind of everybody figured out, okay, look at this list of writers. Week five, Dave Filoni. There's Ahsoka's debut. We all knew it, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was, yeah. And it was just a matter for me anyway of you know continue, continually being surprised about how they do it. And this week they just wasted no time, no time at all, <laughs> just bringing her right into the fold. I thought for sure Dave, Dave loves to twist the knife. He loves to mess with us i thought he's gonna make us wait but they just got right to it um marie what were your general thoughts on the on the episode getting to meet a live action ahsoka this has finally happened what were your initial thoughts like okay actually go before that with your anticipation level considering uh the circumstances of seeing ahsoka live action finally so I was at a friend's giving thing on Friday and they we were playing this board game that took like four hours and I was getting so antsy. <laughs> I was like it was like eleven fifteen at night and I was like, guys, I've got to see the Mandalorian. Like we didn't start watching it until midnight. So I so I waited a full twenty four hours. Oh my god! And <laughs> it was horrible because I kept seeing stuff on Twitter and even my my news notifications on my phone kept popping up Ahsoka stuff. Oh. And I was like, "Oh, leave me alone!" <laughs> <laughs> so um, there was a lot of anticipation. It's just because of the circumstances of like holiday weekend and everything. Um, I, I had to wait a good while, so, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I have lots of questions. Hopefully we, we, we air them all out here in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nathan, how, how, how did you go into this one? Like I had almost like movie level anticipation coming into this. I woke up at six thirty in the morning. And I didn't have to. I didn't have to work until 12. I woke up at 6.30. It's the first time I think I've ever woken up that early for a Mandalorian episode. It's the first time I've woken up, like, set an alarm for Mando this season. Like, like, I'm not getting up early. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm asleep. I don't know I'm waiting. (laughs) You know? Like, as long as I can watch it as soon as I wake up, that's all I care about. But, like, I'm asleep. I don't I don't care. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I was excited, so I, I did get up early for this one. Because I wanted time to, you know, watch it twice and, and ruminate on it and and whatever before I had to get up and, and go in and occupy my brain with other, other things. Um, but, yeah. I mean, right out of the gate, the white sabers. Like, (laughs) it was uh, it was another edge of the seat episode. I got to tell you, 
you know, first it was, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, this this season has been full of them. You know, I jumped off the couch when Cobb Vance showed up, and then again when yeah. Boba Fett showed up, and then again when Bo Katan showed up, and then again when she said Ahsoka. Yeah. And then again when Ahsoka showed up, and then again when she mentioned uh, the Blue Man Group at the end of this episode. And oh, yeah, it's uh, this season has been just knocking my socks off. Oh, God. Yeah. And just the way they get right to it. And like I so I, I woke up in the morning. I'm like, oh, my God, today's a day. Today's a day. It's 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 there. <laughs> I could just roll over in bed right now and just watch it. I don't want to do that, though. I don't want to watch it on my phone. I have standards, Carlos. <laughs> 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 um yeah my kids were home they had they had a day off school uh, so i was like well we could go watch it right away but typically we've we've kind of watched all watched it together the episodes all four of us but my wife was at work on friday i was like oh man so okay we'll wait for mom right and the kids are like and i was just i gave them the opening to say no let's watch it now i'm like okay <laughs> and they're like no we have to wait for mommy and i was like Ugh. <laughs> and most weeks i don't mind i can wait but this being the week of snips i was like oh god I, do i just go hide in a bathroom for 40 minutes and watch it on my phone <laughs> and carlos is like do it <laughs> oh eventually my um no i i my wife's like oh i'm gonna be actually later than i thought so i was like mommy's coming home later now do you want to watch mando okay <laughs> so I, I played my cards right so we watched it like mid-afternoon and <clears throat> like right away and i got a picture of my daughter when ahsoka first came on screen and she was just freaking oh. out she's she it's ahsoka tell. it's ahsoka she was so happy <laughs> my son was on the other side of me he's super pumped and like there she is and her first intro and i think it's a running vibe through the episode is like she's brutal yeah. And, like that had Batman and horror vibes to it. Yes. It was, I, I don't want to say jarring, but it's different. And the only way I rationalize it is, hey, if I was trapped on Malachor, I might be a bit grumpy and a little brutal too. And, but yeah, it was it was a little bit strange to see her coming out and just chopping people to bits coming out of Clone Wars where she's like, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to die. Yeah. Well, the after watching it through the first time and then when I, on the second viewing, when I saw that again, saw how she was cutting through those, those soldiers or marauders or mercenaries, whatever they were. But the, the thing that popped in my head was what the hell did Thrawn do? Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, what did Thrawn do to make Ahsoka do this? You know, because <laughs> like, she's got a, she got a bad attitude in this episode. She's yeah. rough. Like she's she's taking no prisoners. Yeah. And no judgment, because sometimes you got to have a bad attitude. But it's just not something we've seen uh, that often, you know, especially in, in Rebels and, and later in her life. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was just really weird because, like, at the end of Star Wars Rebels, you see Ahsoka the White with her staff and the, the um, you know, the white robe and, like, 
she's all uh, wise and gentle, and then it's like, wait, what? Yeah, it's 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 thrown that whole sort of coda at the end of of the the finale of Rebels into question. Yeah. Now where is that? It's mm-hmm. it's a weird. Yeah, well, I think we'll touch on that towards the end. But what what about her look? I thought she looked amazing, and of course, Star Wars fans never happy. <sighs> but I thought she looked really good. Yeah. What, what did you guys think? Her Leku were too short. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, I I looked up pictures of the progression of her Leku, and they are pretty darn long in Rebels. Yeah, they're they're definitely shorter. They're definitely shorter. The only thing I first of all I, I was like, eh. I don't, first I I don't care, but second of all, I was like, well, no, actually, before the one of the uh, costume creators or costume designers or uh, character designers is on Twitter, and somebody said like, "Hey man, like she looks great, but her head tails are real short. What's up with that?" And it basically boiled down to uh, making it more comfortable for uh, Rosario Dawson and stunt performers. Just it was a practicality yeah. thing. I read an article that was talking about that. So I get it. It's just that Shock T was a live action to Gruta and she had crazy long head tails. Yeah, but Shock T didn't do shit. (laughs) (laughs) She got stabbed through the chest. Yeah. Not even in the movie. Not even in a a real scene. (laughs) Wow. No, I mean, you know, you you make... Sessions. Sagrera is supposed to have blue eyes, but you know, I don't, you know, uh, make a big deal of it. <laughs> true. It's just, you know, I mean, there's going to think be things that get lost and altered in translation. And it's, it, it's unfortunate because, you, you know, I mean, especially for, with canon junkies like us, it's going to, you know, it, it's just going to, it, we're just not going to, make that transition as easily because we care so much about things, you know, the internal logic of, of these properties, but you know, it's, I mean, it's, it didn't detract for me. I would have liked it if it was a little more accurate to the, the character model from, from rebels, but uh, I, I found it pretty easy to move past it. Yeah, at least they explained it, right? Like, if they had been like, oh, geez, whoops, you got us. Oh, man. That would be like, oh, well, guys, come on. Yeah. But at least they said, like, we have, maybe we tr- maybe they tried it and it just, these extra mantras just flopping around. Got in oh, the yeah, way of I'm the stunt sure, performing. I'm sure they did tests. And, I mean, the fact is that Rosario Dawson's proportions are going to be different from the the maquette you know, the character model yeah. in the, the animation. So, you know, I mean, those character models are way thinner than any actress is going to be, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I mean, proportionately, maybe it just looked better. I mean, who knows? And the other thing about Shakti is that Shakti in live action was always a lot more covered up. So maybe the bigger the bigger headpiece 
looked ridiculous on someone who wasn't wearing uh, hmm. all those layers and was yeah. a lot thinner. Like maybe it was just way too top heavy looking. But who knows? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure they went with the best option, right? That they possibly could. The most distracting it, thing for me was like the little creases where her, where the, where the, like the the mm-hmm. Montreal's kind of hit the shoulder. Like mm-hmm. it almost, almost, almost made it look like it was made of Nerf. But I was like, ah, <laughs> whatever. I, 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 I'm almost being like an apologist because I was just so thrilled that this character is finally on that- screen. Maybe they are Kyle. Maybe that's what they feel like. Maybe they actually feel like Nerf. Maybe oh. that's what it's supposed to be in canon. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. I don't. Maybe, maybe it's like a tree mushroom. Those yeah, big tree knows? fungus. Who knows? And I thought Rosario had Ahsoka's grins down and some of her mannerisms. I she I think she'll grow into the role. and For sure, she's going to have uh, many kicks at the can here. But also... We got to spare a thought for Ashley Eckstein here. Someone who... Do we, though? Just, <laughs> just Well, just in the sense that this is the char- person who brought this character to life for 12 years. Yeah. And I'm not one of... Like, I'm, I'm pretty cold in this way. Like, when we first started saying months ago that this was the role for Rosario and she's got him. Hey, what about Ashley? Yeah, what about her? She does the voice work. If you're going to get a... a a live-action actor, you need somebody who's got the chops, uh, the physicality, the, like the look. Like Rosario, Rosario Dawson embodies the physical nature of Ahsoka. I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ashley. You did wonderful work. Love you. If they keep do Ahsoka in animation, I obviously they should stick with Ashley. Live-action yeah. is going to be treated differently. It sucks. Fairness has nothing to do with it. Yeah. No, I mean, I there was no world where I ever thought that Ashley Eckstein was going to play a live action Ahsoka. Even once the rumor started, it was it, it was never even a possibility in my mind. And it, it's like, if, if she actually thought that she was going to get to play Ahsoka in live action, I think she was a little delusional. And I I don't really. Eh. <laughs> I, I hope that she had like a courtesy crack at it. Just. Just for the sake of it, just, hey, we're going to give you a run at this. Impress us. You know, it's stacked against you. But here, let's let's have a little a shot at this. I don't know. But nevertheless, for some people, like Ashley will always be associated with, with Ahsoka. Oh, and rightly so, of course. Yeah. I'm not, ta- I'm not saying any of this to take away from her work. You know, the work she did. I think it was fantastic. And like you said, I mean, she is in that medium. She is Ahsoka, but it's just, I, it was never, I never believed for a second that it was going to, she would, she would play Ahsoka in live action. It's just, no, no way. I mean, it's just a, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it not, yeah, it didn't make sense to me either. Um, so the reason Ahsoka is there on this planet, and this is one of the questions I had in the episode so Bo-Katan knew that Ahsoka was there and Ahsoka is there for a very specific reason to get mm-hmm. information about the blue, blue man groups whereabouts. Mm-hmm. So how long has Ahsoka been chipping away at this? 
like it feels like when like the way I read Bo-Katan's line, it felt like, oh yeah, like it, I almost interpreted it as Ahsoka is hiding out on this planet, or she's hanging out there. She's oh yeah, almost like she's hiding. You'll find her there. Instead, she's yeah, she's on a mission, and it seems I, I don't know how long she's been sort of chipping away at those front gates where the magistrate lives, trying to get that that same info, but. I, I, maybe that's just Star Wars being Star Wars. Was that one of your questions, it, Marie? Yeah, and I I thought it was strange how at towards the end of the episode she just vaulted the wall, and I was like, <laughs> "What? Couldn't so why couldn't she have done that sooner?" I was really confused. You could do that the whole time. Like exactly, I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was the getting in. I think it was the problem once she was in. <laughs> mm. You know, having to contend with with all of those. Again, don't know what to call them: soldiers or mercenaries or whatever. Like, are yeah. these are these Thrawn's stormtroopers? Like, they sounded death trooperish, didn't they? And yeah, they- I guess so. And the, the their weapons, the A A three fifties or something, they they sure sounded like a death trooper's rifle. Yeah. So you may be onto something. They, maybe they've and then, been you dressed know, down. Of course, of course, we've got that. Uh, that's is it the Seventh Fleet. Yeah. That yeah. logo on the side of the uh, HK eighty seven droids. Oh, isn't that cool? It was so cool. What, but who, yeah, it's, eagle it's eyes like, picking that out. Oh yeah. So it's uh Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess she would have been able to get inside, but then to take all of those guys out and battle the magistrate all at the same time. I guess she needed that distraction. And hey, you don't mess with Michael Bean either. Yeah, I guess we we <laughs> last week we were talking about when is this guy gonna show up? Ah, He's a season. He's he's an episode or chapter fifteen guy. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Here he is. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he was great. You know, he was just like, uh, you, you knew he was going out this episode. As soon as you saw him, you're like, oh, he's he's done. <laughs> yeah. Well, he tried. He he tried to sort of play both sides and see who who a very thrown thing. Who's who's going to win? I'll be with them. Yeah. Uh, didn't yeah. work. Didn't work. Yeah. So something else really cool, um, uh, amidst all the coolness of this episode, raise your hand if you thought we would get Baby Yoda's actual name. Nope. Nope. That was a surprise. Nope. That was. Uh... <laughs> yeah. No. Out of out of nowhere. Just. Hey, Grogu. <laughs> his reaction when he hears his name is priceless. It's so cute. Yeah, priceless. Oh, oh, I mean, the whole season he's been he's been so verbal, and it's the sound. The, oh man, is it Matt Wood that's been doing sound supervision on this? I this think so. Season. I mean, he's doing such great work as always. Of course, it's Matt Wood, and well, I imagine David Acord is is involved too. But uh, as always, fantastic work. But it's particularly with the Baby Yoda voice. 
or Grogu voice. We can say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can. We can't. Still, still, still hard to uh, make that transition. It, yeah, it it really is. Um, but yeah, we we get to dump it now. Just like when we learned Mandalorian's actual name, we we don't have to call mm-hmm. him Mandalorian anymore. Just call him Din. We don't have to call him Baby Yoda anymore. He is Grogu. Yeah, but he's still Mando, and it's still Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. For a while, yeah. So I found certain elements of this of this episode kind of predictable. Like, as Ahsoka leaves in that opening scene, she kind of gives her ultimatum. And then, and then it kind of hit me like, oh, God, like, with Mando coming here, they're, they're going to ask Mando to help kill their Jedi. Which, and then you, the wheels go, but he's not going to do that. She's why he's there. And then he's going to end up working with her. And like the whole plot was sort of played out in my mind before it happened. But I, uh. <laughs> I didn't really mind that. I don't need, I don't need this thing to, to bust my brain. If it plays out in a pleasing way, um, I'll be happy for sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, yeah. there was a little skirmish between Ahsoka and the Mando. And we finally see Beskar actually repelling lightsabers. Yeah, that was rad. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm in about time. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, we hear so much about the, uh, you know, the Mandalorian Jedi or Jedi Mandalorian Wars. But like to finally start seeing the results of that and the leftovers from that, like, of course, you would have to. If you're going to go to war with the Jedi, you either need lightsabers or you need armor that defends yourself against lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense that that would be, you know, given the scope of the war and what the Jedi did to Mandalore, uh, it makes sense that Beskar would be sacred to these people. Yeah. Just like that spear that the magistrate was holding. Mm hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. So one of the things about Grogu, um, when he's sort of having his little sit down with Ahsoka and she sort of reads his mind and understands that he was, and this answers a big question for us about where he comes from. He was at the temple on Coruscant, which I did not expect to hear at all. I did not expect to hear that about, uh, about Grogu at all. And then whisked, whisked away and hidden during order 66. Is it important yeah. to know who took him away? Was it, did you read that as important? Like we need to know who took him away or is that it'll get answered in a mm. comic book. And that's that. I mean, it's important to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how important it'll be to the story uh, in the end, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested to know that i mean i mean do we want it to be a jedi we know hmm. huh could it be jocasta new well she... i mean she, she kind of had her own thing going on yeah that's that's kind of been explored but i wonder if they just make it make one more thing part of her her mission i mean of course it's always possible I mean, what if what if it's what if it's Voss? Oh, and what if what if him and Grogu show up in the Kenobi show? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Quinlan is my dark horse to show up in the Kenobi show. Yeah. I mean, imagine what a, what a mismatch. Quinlan having to babysit Grogu. <laughs> yeah. So. Although, um, I mean, you could have said the same thing about Din and Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, who knows? So this this next part or development was pretty much inevitable, but Ahsoka was never going to train Grogu. Like we were never going to see Mando walk away. Here right. you go. Take this. Take this kid. I'm out. And he sails away. Mm-hmm. And it just goes on being his show again. That that was not going to happen. But I like how she justified her choice about mm-hmm. how there's too much attachment between the two of them that, uh, you know, I can't train him. He's got too much attachment and fear and anger in him, which is so. Yeah. Oh, that, that's so. Oh, man. We've seen Baby Yoda get mad. But to know that he's got all this fear and anger in him and that she Ahsoka thinks like we're better off letting his force powers fade. Yeah. Yeah. And and the the, the unspoken Anakin part where she's seen the best right. of the best of the Jedi fall because of their attachments. Right. Well, and that's the thing is she this is after Twilight of the Apprentice. So she knows what happened to Anakin. And she's still yeah. calling him the best of us, you know, like she still she still has that high opinion of who Anakin used to be. I wonder at this point if she's met Luke and she knows how. it. Ended. Oh, I was talking to someone about this the other day. It was like, oh, man, can you imagine like, oh, hey, I knew your dad when he was a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Years ago on this podcast, we talked about like, what are the thing like the top five things you want to see in Star Wars in the future? And right near the top of my list is Ahsoka and Luke having a chat. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Does Ahsoka know? Right. Because that's the thing. Who else would be able to tell her that he came back? There's other than one, Luke. There's only one witness. Right. It's like, so she gets to have this conversation with Luke and Luke gets to say, Ahsoka, he turned (laughs) and she'd be like, imagine how, like, what an emotional hit that would be for her. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, My heart. And then she could commune with him in the force. (laughs) But you, you would think that Ahsoka would have big feelings for the son of her former master and someone who she clearly has uh, feelings for in in a, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, he's a celebrity. He's the hero of the new Republic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so she, she points Mando um, to uh, Tython and said that Grogu would have to choose his own path and perhaps, you know, put him on this, on the seeing stone at the top of a mountain uh, maybe a Jedi will hear him through the Force and come for him. And she specifically says there aren't many Jedi left. And the choice at the writing level was made to not have her mention Luke, who we think was the only Jedi left. So <laughs> who else is yeah. who else is out there? I mean, people are thrown around, like you said before, Nathan, Cal Kestis, uh, Ezra. Now that we had the, the Thrawn mention. Is Voss still kind of tooling around the galaxy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? 
We still don't we still don't know what's going on with Paris. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, and that uh, I wanted to jump back for a second. What if Luminara took Grogu? Because we know she gets captured by the Empire. Yeah. Because that trap is set in using her corpse and rebels. Yeah. That so was what if haunting. the Empire got what if the Empire got their hand had Grogu? And then after after Endor, uh, as the Empire became weaker and weaker, these pirates started to see them as the Empire is weak and said, well, Star Destroyer now is easy pickings because they're undermanned. They're, you know, they're weak. So what if a transport, an Imperial transport carrying Grogu was taken by pirates and those pirates don't know what the hell to do. (laughs) What is this thing? (laughs) With this little alien. So they're just hanging out on, on, I forget what Queel's planet's name is. Arvala. Yeah, there you go. Of course you would know. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's how he ended up there. I mean, it's possible that change be of events. Interesting, yeah. But man, huh. like the, the tantalizing things they keep putting in front of us with this show. Yeah, like yeah. some somebody's going to come for him, right? You would think. You would think. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, Ahsoka didn't outright say that she's a Jedi. Or she's not a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but sh- the way she said, may- maybe a Jedi will come from him. The way she said that makes it sound like she's still not calling herself a Jedi. Yeah. But I also like that like when people in the episode call her a Jedi, she doesn't correct them. Yeah. Because you can imagine like it's been like 25 years now at this point. You can imagine how exhausting it is correcting people. Well, I'm not a Jedi. I used to be, but then this thing happened. But <laughs> you can imagine how many, how sick she is of telling people that. So she probably just doesn't correct people anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, she, and she's probably confused herself. Sure. Sure. Right. Oh, man. The stuff that they're laying down here is just, oh, God, killing me. But, but also, like, Mando left out so many of the details. Like he didn't tell her about Gideon. She didn't. He yes. didn't tell her about the dark saber. That didn't is tell my, her about. That's my biggest and really. <laughs> I don't even want to call it a gripe. But yeah, he, why didn't he tell Ahsoka <laughs> what the stakes were for Grogu? Like the, yeah, they want his blood. <laughs> they're clone. Like she would understand completely if you said if Din said they 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 had him. They extracted blood from him. They're M M stuff in his blood. They're cloning him. All this stuff yeah. would immediately light a fire in her brain. That oh god, like, and I th- I think the reason that you don't mention that is the same reason you don't have Force Ghost Anakin to show up to Ben Solo is that it derails the whole story. Yeah, it it dismantles everything you're trying to do because how could Ahsoka then say, "Good luck with all that"? Yeah, yeah. Because- because like she says, best to let his power just to let his powers fade. I mean, he should be like, okay, listen, it's not that simple. <laughs> like we're on the clock here. I'm being hunted night and day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, because now he knows. Uh, prior, a, a week sooner, 
Mando didn't know that that Gideon was still alive. He thought he was free of the Empire, but now he has to know yeah. that they're going to they're, they're going to be coming hard for him. He doesn't know he's being tracked, mm-hmm. but he will soon. Yeah, yeah, that's huh. mm, that's that's interesting too. Because you have to want, of course, I mean, the question pops up, are Thrawn and Gideon working together? Or are they adversaries? Are they even aware of each other? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, does Gideon show up on this planet, find the magistrate, and then <laughs> either say, uh, okay, so somehow Mando got really close to Thrawn. Well, I guess you imagine if Thrawn was involved with Gideon, the magistrate may have known to take the child to take. Mm, yeah. But, uh, but does Gideon go to that planet and then become aware of Thrawn for the first time and say, hang on, there's another player on the board that I wasn't aware of. And he's got things. <laughs> He's, and he's he's the best player that ever was. <laughs> yeah, I, this I mean, this is not stuff that will play out in this show, right? Like, this is one of the things that people are really afraid of is that, well, inevitably, Luke Skywalker is going to show up in this show now to pick up Grogu. And well, Thrawn yeah. is now going to descend into the show and it's going to become this giant thing. I don't think any of this is going to happen in Mandalorian at worst or at, I don't know at I think it's possible now that Luke Skywalker does show up in this show. I think it's possible. Unlikely, but I think it's possible that he does hear the call and show up, which would Mm. then break my heart because I'll take him. I got a temple. Um, Yeah, but but he can't because we know that Ben was his first apprentice, right? Ben was Luke's first apprentice. Was he his first? I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I'm pretty sure he took Ben on before he established the temple, the academy. Well, that makes me happy because I don't want Grogu to end up with Luke because that's a dead end. Yeah. I'd I'd be my. Go ahead, Marie. My biggest concern. So kind of dovetailing off of what you were saying is that. So for me, I, I'm not 100% convinced that Thrawn is back from the Unknown Regions. Like, I'm wondering if Ahsoka is still looking for him and Ezra. Mm. And if that's the case, of course, you know, where's Sabine? I don't know. But if that's the case, then I don't want this to be the answer to the Sabine and Ahsoka show. And then for it to become this whole other thing when originally it was its own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like this, this, as much as I'm loving it and this show just excited me like almost nothing else. Yeah. It, it needs to get back to being Din's story. Din and exactly. Grogu's little intimate story. Like Exactly. Think of the yeah. things that, you know, all season long, he's had this idea of what it, or all series long, he's had this idea of what it means to be a Mandalorian. And that idea has been picked apart. And we haven't engaged with that. Like right. Mm-hmm. Bo-, Bo Katan has told him things, and the armor has told him things. 
he's always felt that there was one way. And now he's learning that there's many ways, or at least multiple ways. And he, he's, Jedi aren't so bad. We can coexist and work together. All these foreign ideas to him. We need time for him to sort of sit with all this and figure that out. Exactly. And I I, yeah. I think they're going to do that. I, I got to believe because all the cameos and all the rumored appearances for this season, I think they're all burnt. I think we've gone through it all. Yeah. So the rest of the series yep. or the rest of the season is is really uncharted. And you know, the way that, that Grief and Kara get dropped off and the way that Ahsoka's left, there's nothing to indicate that there's another team up just waiting to happen. Well, I think we've definitely got a dangling thread of Boba. Oh, yeah, there's that. You know, I think I think mm, that that's probably going to come back by the end of the season as some in some way. And maybe it comes back in the last episode as a tease for uh season 3. But I definitely think he'll be back in some capacity. Yeah. But even you know, we we had these rumors that uh Bill Burr and his gang was going to be back. Yeah. At this point, I don't even know what purpose they'd serve. I have a feeling yeah. that'll be the Rodriguez episode. I feel like he would enjoy playing with those characters. Yeah, definitely. I, I, but but uh, at this point, it's it, we got to be. I mean, it's it, soon. It's got to be the Moff Gideon show. <laughs> like, right? It, yeah, we got to move on with that. There's three weeks left. But I mean, at least we've had him sprinkled throughout the season, you know. Yeah. Like he's the most consistent big bad we've had. Like we didn't have that in season one. Like we had the client in a couple episodes and then Gideon showed up at the end, but there wasn't sort of this threat, this looming threat throughout the entire season. Like there has been this season. Um, But yeah, I think, I think for the most part, they've struck a pretty good balance of introducing these things that we were nervous about Mm -hmm. uh, balancing that with, Making sure it stays the Mando and now Grogu show. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely agree that it's so far it's been it's been fine, um, and and they've kept it separate. And I don't know, it was weird. Like I really enjoyed the Ahsoka episode, but at the same time, I started this fear started to kind of bubble up, and I was like, this could go one of two ways. <laughs> Yeah, you're not alone. Like well, there is a lot of worry that this thing is just going to get away from from the Dinjarin focus until yeah. and just be everything to everyone. Well, yeah. you and I did a whole episode on that. <laughs> you know, will yeah. will the show lose its charm? You know, uh, or will we will we get to see all of these threads start to be tied up from other media at the expense of the charm? Uh, yeah, that the it, show showed in in season one. Yeah. yeah, was uh, I think the premise is is, um, is there too much pressure on the Mandalorian as a show to yeah. be a springboard to everything else? Right. I, I think we agreed that yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's yeah. it's kind of served that purpose because we like they were so effective in in this episode. Ahsoka is after Thrawn, which ties in so well with what happened with Rebels. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know where. Like Dave Filoni is very intentional, and to see Ahsoka wearing that gray, uh, that grayish cloak, and the whole episode was just dark, which obviously is a reflection of Ahsoka. Like she is 
down in the dumps at this point. She's angry. Again, coming out of Malachor at some point previous to that, it might rub off on you. She is mm-hmm. not. She's not the character in the white cloak from at, from the end of Rebels. So I don't. Right. I I get the sense that this episode is before that that coda at the end of Rebels. Yeah, I mean, I had this conversation on Twitter this this weekend, or I think it was earlier this week before the episode even dropped. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing really that I could think of that prevents Sabine going off with Ahsoka taking place after this episode. Yeah. 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 And it really does kind of... Dave Filoni, or sorry, uh, Favreau, right from the beginning, when, he, when this show was first announced, and we first started getting, getting those initial details about the show... He screwed us all. <laughs> when does your show take place? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like seven years after Return of the Jedi. Oh, no, I meant after A New Hope. Oh, I don't know. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, John. <laughs> uh... And this whole confusion is like taking on a life of its own. Like, is it three years after Jedi? We have no idea. And I'm sure that they love it that way now. Oh, definitely. But who was the chucklehead that asked John Favreau instead of Dave Filoni <laughs> that question? Uh... <laughs> yeah, because you know, you know, Filoni's not going to say anything now. Like you said, they love they love it at this point that there's it's it's so ambiguous. But like right from the get go, don't ask John Favreau these kinds of questions. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> he thought George Lucas wrote the holiday special for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got his own version of events. Um, okay, who, this magistrate, uh, Morgan Elsbeth, whoever she is, she obviously she's working for Thrawn. She's tough, man. Like she gave Ahsoka a run for yeah. her money. Yeah, I rationalize it as I guess she's lucky that Ahsoka was looking for information rather than looking to kill her. Right. But man, like that was a, that was a pretty close fight, all things considered. Yeah, you can knock a uh, a lightsaber out of Ahsoka's hands. That's that ain't nothing. Like this is the person that captured Maul. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Ahsoka's as good as it gets. And here's this uh Morgan Elsbeth who eh, for a second she got one in on her. But I saw somebody mm-hmm. had posted this on Twitter. I didn't bookmark it. What a dumb thing to not do. But someone drew, I think it was maybe it popped up on Reddit or something. But somebody had um, posted something from the uh, uh, Clone Wars arc where she, uh, the magistrate, the slaughter of her people at the hands of the Mandos happened in season four of the Clone Wars. And there's, Someone named the planet and named the people and all this stuff. It's like, oh man, like, is that person on screen the magistrate? Is that Morgan Elsbeth? The face markings were different, but who knows? Really? I, I, it's going to drive me nuts now <laughs> looking for this. Ah! Well, I'm halfway through season two on the rewatch, so I'll be there eventually. But <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, huh interesting it's real interesting and it's like wow it's it could have been okay here it is um the theory this is from at dark saber light 
Da, 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 da. Oh, this person doesn't like Mandalorians at all. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so I guess this is a quote from this episode. Morgan Elsbeth, during the Clone Wars, her people were massacred. And then a theory, uh, the theory that Morgan Elsbeth is a member of the Ming Po, the tribe Ahsoka saw Death Watch slaughter in the Clone Wars season four. If true, it's likely Bo-Katan's action as a member of Death Watch will be brought to light. How's and that? that's interesting because I think I know what episode it's referring to. And um, they were just kind of like village, like villagey people. Yes. They weren't, they weren't like, because the, the magistrate in this Mandalorian episode is intensely like in charge but those people were very like i don't know what kind of farmery yeah for sure it looked know? yeah they, it, there's a disconnect there but who knows if she gets propped up because of of thrown yeah. and they yeah. stole it said she, right? it, it said she went on to industrial soka said she went on to industrialize and uh mm. and helped like build ships for the empire i think that's what she said she armed the empire essentially mm -hmm. yeah but uh i mean that is that would be really yeah. interesting there's an interesting, an interesting a death watch wrinkle there that could come into play but ah ahsoka mm -hmm. and and bo katan are kind of pretty much on friendly terms now yeah they were they were adversarial at one point but that's obviously They've worked. They've worked together in in Clone Wars season seven. They've they've buried all that. So I don't know where it could go, but there's a lot of overlapping threads here. That oh man, there's some there's so much stuff they could do with this. I just hope it doesn't all play out in the Mandalorian. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just to start to wrap this up here. How does this eventually play out for Mando himself? Like. Now this quest he's on for all intents and purposes, it's it was over kind of. Like, it's, we know it's not over, but he found a Jedi, got redirected. But there's there was that brilliant shot, and that's actually boy, there's a, the the characterization of Mando as this thing's father, as Grogu's dad, when he got <laughs> him to pull the ball to him using the Force, that bond, bonding moment, and he's like, "Yeah, I knew you could do it, kid." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a father-son playing catch in the yard. Yeah. Like, there's not a chance this guy is ever going to hand over Grogu to anybody. There's no way. they, they they're, The bond is... is It's almost in cement at this point. How does it... Like, they're yeah. going to crush our hearts at some point. Yeah. I mean, it's... I think this show ends with... Din and Grogu going back to live on, uh, oh, what is it? See, uh, episode five planet. Um, episode five was oh, Tatooine. sanctuary, yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. Oh, uh, Sorgan, episode four, Sorgan. With Sorgan, yeah. I think, I think that's where the series ends is with, with Din and Grogu going back, and really, because the only thing that's keeping him out there on this journey right now is that damn helmet <laughs> yeah. right like he has to, he uh, he's almost seeking permission to settle down that's what his quest is in a way 
Yeah, he's got this stubborn, this stubborn thing where he, ah, oh, this is the way because I've been told this all my life and I, I have to keep yeah. doing this for reasons I don't fully believe or understand, but I'm going to keep doing it. it it's, yeah, you're right. It's like he's asking, waiting for someone to say, you don't have to do this. Yeah, you, he's waiting for, he's on a quest to shed the armor. Well, at last week's episode, uh-huh. we like we saw like he, he now he now he lifts up his helmet halfway to take a sip of his soup mm-hmm. in front of the child. Like that's not that wasn't a mistake to show us that shot. No. So it's 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 slowly happening here where the helmet's going to come off at one point. He's seeing other Mandalorians ripping off their helmets at some point. Maybe season three. Maybe by the end of this season. That bucket's coming off, and he's going to be much more comfortable with the idea that hey, what I what I learned as a covert Mando, it, it doesn't hold up. I don't like it anymore, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. partially what the show is about. It's there, you know, learning that there's more than one way, Din. Yeah, yeah. But you know, again, they have to start engaging with all this stuff rather than thrilling us with all of these cameos and all of this connected universe stuff. Which we love, but we all we do want to see this character further explored, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm 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 really lo- like in love with this corner of the universe. Like I can't wait for the comics and for the novels to start building out the Mando's world prior to yeah. these events, after them. I oh man, I'm I'm blown away with this show. Yeah, it's it's almost yeah. like we need. <laughs> It's almost like we need um, a show, an, another Clone Wars, essentially, um, or a show that can serve the same purpose. Because Clone Wars is so different from the other animated series we've gotten. Like, you know, Rebels focused on the family primarily. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Mando is meant to focus on on Din and Grogu primarily. But Clone Wars, Clone Wars was never focused on an individual character. It was always that anthology style. Yeah. We're going to jump around. And it, it almost seems like because they don't have that show, that they're trying to um, do both things at once with Mando. Mm. I wonder it's almost if... like we need a post-Return of the Jedi Clone Wars, you know, like yeah. New, New Republic or you right, know, right, the oh my god, or M- Empire's Fall or something like that, you know, like we do need that for sure. There, and there's no way they leave that that time unexplored. I would hope not. And maybe that's what the quote unquote Rebels sequel animated series that's been rumored is going to be, you know, because uh, I mean I think that's a a real strength that the Clone Wars. Well, I mean, a strength and a weakness because, of course, we get those arcs that are in unbelievably good and extremely connective. And then we get those less popular arcs, <laughs> you know, uh, Sunny Day in the Void, which hey, now! I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm saying it's, not, I'm saying it's an unpopular episode, <laughs> you know, so it's a strength and a weakness. But I think I think when we're at this point now where we re- they, well, they seem to want to really start building out this era. And I mean, it, it's almost like it happened. It's happening so gradually that we don't realize that we're getting what we've been screaming for, for years now Yeah, is to finally build out this post return of the Jedi era. It, because I think we're getting in an unexpected place. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah. But I mean, this is exactly what we've been asking for. It's just like, okay, but can you give it to us somewhere else? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Almost like we feel guilty for enjoying all this extra Mm -hmm. stuff because we, you know, we're already invested in Din's story, but we love this other stuff too. And it's, it's, you know, it's a bit much to shoehorn both into one show. Like we can take it in doses, but hey, we've got the appetite. You can give us both series and keep the story tight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but boy, oh boy. I I mean, it's not like we got movies anytime soon. So. And I, you know what? The way that I, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, we'll wait for, for Kenobi and the Cassian Andor show, but. The long form story here, like I, I'm loving the week to week thing. It yeah, the, definitely the cinematic experience is missing, and the lead up to that, and, and the speculation, and the hype. It doesn't like this doesn't match that in that regard. Mm. But the week to week and the, like the 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 long play of the story is so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also the almost universal love for the series right like obviously you know there it it varies and there are different levels of appreciation for it but i like even among casual fans like everybody's talking about and for the most part i think loves mandalorian and that that in itself is refreshing yeah yeah Yeah, among all the facebook groups that i hang out in it's far and away. Ah, Rogue One is still right there, but this is is like far and away uh, among the most enjoyed pieces. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes, "Oh, I love the Mandalorian." Hate the sequels, but this is so good. And oh, often, yeah, you have to say you have to qualify it with "I hate the sequels." Yeah, and oh, often Lord. it's it's from people who are my age who are just in love with the the seventies and eighties, which is fine, yeah. but. <laughs> Star Wars does need to also evolve. So, yeah. I mean, we talked about like all of the possible connections that Mandalorian could go in and like picking up the, and, and you know, our, our fears around it, but like picking up from Rebels or picking up these different threads. But we had never stopped to consider the horror that Mandalorian might be tasked with explaining Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, this is a thought that I've had for a while, and the more we go down Mandolane here, it's it keeps coming closer to the front of my mind. But and everybody's mileage will will vary. But I think it. I don't know what it says, and it's probably worthy of its own conversation, which we're not going to have time to do today. But what does it say that the I, I think maybe the greatest moments in Star Wars in the Disney era probably happened in shows and not movies. I don't know what it, I, I don't even know that to be true and it's going to be different for different people. But mm-hmm. when, when I think of season seven of clone wars and some of the great stuff that we got there and the amazing stuff that we've gotten from Mando is like specifically meeting Grogu for the first time that blew our socks off and things going back into rebels I think you could make a pretty good case that the best things to happen in Star Wars since Disney took over has happened in on TV and not in the movies. And I don't know what that says. 
I mean, part, yeah, I mean, I mean, to a large degree, I think you're right. I think mainly what it comes down to is um, the more successful properties tend to be the ones willing to interact with the other mediums and play in that sandbox, mm. right? You yeah. had Rogue One and Solo, especially, that were so ready to jump in and play with Clone Wars and Rebels. And exist in those the same universe as those those shows, and I think that the more willing, and maybe maybe it's just a matter of attitude on the filmmaker, but the movies that um, are more more willing to look at all that stuff and try to make it all work together tend to be the more successful and again that's a point of view um but for me at least it's definitely the case rogue one and solo and the last jedi uh are the the three movies of the five that interact the best with not only the animation and the books but even the prequels um yeah so I, I, it, I think for one thing, it's a, a matter of the fact that they do connect. And I think it's also a matter of the attitude of the filmmakers that they are willing um, and that they do see it as one big universe. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Oh, boy. Anything else? Uh, any, any other final thoughts, Marie, that you want to unload before we... Call it quits for tonight? Yes. So I was quite intrigued by the whole Tython thing. Mm-hmm. Since Tython has previously come up in the Dr. Afra series, um, where she took Vader to Tython and in place of Hoth. And then he ended up in this crazy thing in the like the basement of the Jedi Temple called the Martrium, where he was, like, stuck in this force, um, nexus, force field thing. Right. And I'm wondering if that Martrium is going to come into play when they go to Tython. Right, because that was, like, the, that was the last issue in the second last arc of the Spurrier run. Yeah, it, well, it was, I think it was, it was, like, it was either the, I think it was the second to last issue of the the, the run. Okay, okay, I couldn't remember if it yeah. was the, the second last arc or the or the last arc, but yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, oh, that issue's so good. Yeah. Because in that issue, Vader is, like, maybe the scariest I have ever seen Vader written. He is like a terrifying machine in that that issue. And he gets stuck in this thing and is like remembering all this stuff from the past and and Afra is able to control him. Um she hacks into his vocoder and is able to control him because he's stuck and he can't get out and like I I just I think that's fascinating. Mm. what the implications might be for um, the Mandalorian and Grogu. It is fascinating that they 
pluck a planet from the Afro series to use. Like you would think that yeah. really, like so many other times, oh, that's Hoth, that's Ilum, or that's Ilum. They're going to Ilum and all these other planets that we thought we'd yeah. be visiting. And it's like, nope, it's something else. But here they've yeah. chosen an Afro planet. Yeah. Well, Tython goes back to the, to, to legends too. Oh, uh, does it? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's the, um, I mean, there have been uh, several uh, planets named throughout the EU as the origin original mm. planet that the Jedi Order was founded on. But uh, I think it was the, the Old Republic MMO that set it as Tython was where the Jedi Order was founded. Mm. And I think that was picked up in the Dawn of the Jedi series. So I think that's where they, they kind of landed in the end. So, I mean, I mean that is still possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Luke found the first Jedi temple on Octo, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Jedi Order was founded on yeah. Octo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Star Wars so, loves semantics. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Oh, it's it's yeah. so interesting. I I can't wait to see what comes next. What if next week he calls? He they, he sits, uh, buddy boy Grogu on the stone. He calls, and Gideon is the one that answers. What if we've always thought that ah, does Gideon have any latent force powers that he's not letting on about? And he hears it. Ah, screw that tracker. I can now feel the kid. He's never going to escape me. What if Yoda's force ghost shows up? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why not? (laughs) At this Uh, point. At this point, why not? I would. Frank Oz more work. I would. they, there has to be some other surprise in store for us in the next three episodes. What if Boba Fett shows up? <laughs> that would not Gosh. be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we could sit here all night speculating on what's to come. Um, but I'd rather wait. Let's see what happens. Let's be surprised when that happens. Starting next Friday, chapter 15? Thir- no, 14. 14. Chapter 14 comes next week. Don't know anything about it. Don't want to know until I sit down and watch it for the first time and take it all in. But uh, that will bring this episode to a close. We're always interested to hear what you guys out there thought of of this podcast, but also uh, the episode, The Jedi, featuring the live-action debut of Ahsoka. Let us know. You can reach us at tumblingsaber at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also throw in some questions for us that we'll answer in a future episode. Uh, put, put saber darts in the subject title, and we'll get to that. Uh, and if you want to help us out in any one of these ways, that would be great too. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, uh, share it with your friends, leave us a review, and then go check us out on Patreon where we just dropped an amazing episode about Alan Moore oh. in Star Wars. That Alan Moore in Star Wars. You want to hear that for sure. Go check that out on our Patreon channel. Uh, that I'm was, still thinking about it. <laughs> I'm still thinking about, uh, oh, what's it? Oh, uh, Tilotny. Talatni throws a shape so good Marie you gotta read this stuff it's it'll bend your brain in ways you didn't think it would bend (laughs) oh and and it ties in the afra too so sweet yeah there's a subtle little afra little tiny actually no it's a pretty big afra tie kind of major yeah an origin for a character you didn't know had an origin oh yeah, Marie, check it out. It's it, there's some wild stuff. 
Nice. Anyway, you can go check that out over at patreon.com slash tumbling saber. And we got tiers from just $1 and $3. It's easier than ever to become a powerful friend. Um, a shout out to Rob Wade for endorsing this episode and all episodes of Tumbling Saber as part of the E14 Endorse program, which you can learn more about at emotionally14.com. And with all that out of the way, it's now time to let everybody know where we can be found on social media. Marie, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Alia Morgan, and you can find my Star Wars Review blog at the thestarwarsreview.blogspot.com, where I put out new reviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And right now, I am almost finished with my From a Certain Point of View reviews. So, I've reviewed every one of those short stories so far through the first 30 so um yeah you should check it out um and you can find me at um my youtube channel um afra's artifacts where i talk about queer star wars and just came out tonight with an episode about daisy and tice who are the first live action queer couple in star wars canon and enact the first on-screen queer kiss in Star Wars canon. So that's exciting. Um, so you should come check it out. Do check out Marie's channel. Subscribe. All that stuff. Marie is always putting up great content to, to enjoy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Go do that. Nathan, where do we find you? I'm at NAF Roberts on Twitter. And I'm also in the comfy, cozy, closed Facebook group tumbling saber facebook group on facebook obviously and i am also in that group hanging out and having a good time talking star wars all week long with everybody who's in there and i'm also on twitter at tumbling saber that's where to find me and that's going to do it for this episode thank you all so much for spending a couple hours with us hope you enjoyed these our, our thoughts about star wars comics and the mandalorian again want to hear what you have to say uh, so reach out to us don't be shy and um, that's going to do it so have yourselves a great week everybody and uh, may the force be with you bye 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 static draws me closer to your place willing me through my dreams fall away signs blindly to the lines on your face beating strong drifting not relive this dream over and over and over again
smiling Not really stream over and over Are you running away? 